It's the Basketball Hall of Fame's Legends podcast. I'm Kyle Belanger. And joining me today is a woman who was enshrined in the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame in 2013. And to be truthful, her credentials as a player or a coach in isolation would have warranted enshrinement. But she's got them all. It's really remarkable. Let me give you a thumbnail. First of all, she's the coach of the 2017 NCAA champion South Carolina Gamecocks. She's a three-time SEC Coach of the Year, a two-time Atlantic 10 Coach of the Year. As a player, she's a six-time WNBA All-Star who was named one of the NBA's top 15 players of all time in 2011. And by the way, she played in three Final Fours with Virginia. But that's just the tip of the iceberg. Of course I'm talking about the inimitable Dawn Staley. Coach, thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Now, Coach, I wanted to work backwards a bit because your career is is really so complex. Um, And I don't want to leave anything out. But before we start with the details... I want to ask you, because so many of your fans, myself included, still remember you as that spark plug player. Is it strange that an entire new era of fans call you coach? And and when did you realize that that transition had taken place from people who only remember Don Staley, the player, to an entire generation of people who only remember Don Staley, the coach? Yeah, it's kind of an interesting uh, transformation for Going from uh, from playing to coaching, um, and people, you know, it used to startle me when people called me by coach instead of you know just just Dawn. <laughs> um, but after you know, spending seventeen years on the sidelines, you kind of get used to the coach thing now. And I'm startled now that people know me um, by being like a former player. Um, <laughs> You know, so, you know, that, you know, evolution is, it's kind of great. It, it kind of, you know, tells a story in itself in that, you know, you stick around this game long enough, um, you know, your your, rep- your reputation precedes you, but it also can morph, you know, into something truly special. And I, I like the, the evolution of how my career has turned out. It's, you know, they're, they're all gifts from basketball that, that keep on giving and you know I'm gonna I'm gonna be involved in this sport uh, for as long as there's a uh, breath in you know my body. I love that. That's good news for the game of basketball, for sure. Now, this year's national championship was only part of your storybook spring. Of course, on March 10th, you were named head coach of Team USA, and then three weeks later, your Gamecocks beat Mississippi State to win the national title. Can you reflect on this spring and the way that these accomplishments, these milestone marks, happened in such rapid succession? Uh, Looking back, did you have a chance to really enjoy any of them at the time? You know, as, as you get older in this sport, and to be quite honest, I, I don't remember a whole lot of trips that I took as a player um, playing, whether it was, you know, I, I probably remember a little bit more about the WNBA uh, than I do my early uh, stages of, of playing USA basketball. Um, just this trips that we, we've taken all over the world, and I was just so uh, tunnel-focused on on the playing part of it. But as, you know, I get older and older, I do take time to enjoy the journey. I, I took time and enjoy, you know, each step of the way um, of, you know, the past couple of years being here in South Carolina and all the, all the great things that have happened 
for our program. You know, the national championship, it's one thing, but, you know, before you talk about the national championship, you have to talk about how we, we got there. You know, the the incredible spirit and atmosphere that the fans have have uh, surrounding our, uh, surrounding our program and support of our program, you know, in such a way that I that I appreciate the little things. Um, much, you know, not not to say not much more, but I just appreciate those things. The building part of of, of getting and winning a national championship, what it took uh, to be able to accomplish those things, because you just don't do it overnight. Sure. You know, people may think this was an overnight thing. Uh, but it was a constant buildup of of shaping what a, a championship team looks like, you know. And that's you know sometimes through the through the lens of a of a fan. And I'm quite sure they see it a little bit differently. Uh, but as a coach who's been in it, or who who has seen the the struggle, you know, of jump starting jump jump starting this program uh, to all the way to the top and all the stuff that's in between. You know, I truly appreciate because it it allows you to to grow and share and 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 give people the the steps that it took so they can follow. And I must say, as someone personally, if I can interject myself, as someone who lived in the greater Columbia area about 15 years ago, what you and your staff have done with that program is nothing short of remarkable. Now, legend has it that when you were originally approached to coach uh, at Temple, you really had no interest. Is, is that true? And, and can you recall that moment and why maybe you were a little reluctant to, 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 to take it to the sidelines at the time? Um... <laughs> You know, I was I was extremely young. You know, in, in terms of, you know, I still had a lot of uh, um, legs, young legs, so to speak, um, in in playing the game. So I just, you know, I saw my career, you know, just starting to take off. Um, and of course, I was probably thirty years old, but I was in a and I was in a good place. My physically and mentally, I was in a, just in a great place. And you know, sometimes when you're in that great place, you know something, you know something always comes up that that shakes that great place. Um, and you, you don't know at the time that it's a crossroad to to even greater things. Um, so you know, when I was approached and taken over the Temple University program. Um, my immediately, my immediate response was no. I I have no interest. I have no interest. I'm I'm still very much um, in the plane, and my focus is playing. Um, so I I turned the, the opportunity down two or three times before <laughs> I actually had a sit down meeting with the athletic director at the time, the late great Dave O'Brien, um, who somehow, you know somehow convinced me by challenging me. And I'm, I'm drawn to challenges. And he challenged me to turn the program around. He challenged my ability to lead. Um, and, you know, from, you know, our conversation, um, the rest is history. Because he, you know, I never looked at you know, anything, uh, coaching as a challenge. And once I did, I, I saw that there was a, a place in which um, I could, I could be needed, and also it could be fulfilling, you know, in that 
being a dream merchant for young for young people. You know, I was very young when I checked off one of my lifelong dreams, which was to win a gold medal um, in the Olympic Games. And I wanted to be a part of uh, a young person's uh, dream, and, and those dreams coming true. And, you know, that's when I, I knew it was a great fit to, to get into coaching. Indeed. Now, professionally, your career also coincided with the true emergence of women's hoop um, domestically. Uh, you, you played with the Richmond and Philadelphia Rage in the ABL before making that transition mm -hmm. to the WNBA a few years later in 99. Can you talk about your experiences in those leagues and, and how they might have given you a sense that women's leagues were about to really blow up um, domestically? Yeah, you know, I think a lot of, uh, you know, what came about um, back in 1995, uh, when we were training uh, the year out leading up to the 1996 Olympic Games in Atlanta, mm -hmm. um, there was just a lot of talk about uh, women's basketball, women's pro basketball, and giving women an opportunity to play in the peaks of their careers. And, you know, we were very fortunate to, to be um, around at that time and and, um, and I, I signed up to play uh, for the for the ABL. And, you know, back then, you know, we didn't know anything about the WNBA until months later. So um, when I found out about the WNBA, I had already made the commitment to the ABL, and I was going to see that commitment through. And I saw it through for, for two years until, you know, uh, father time or mother time, however you want to <laughs> look at it, started pulling on me and my legs and and, and me physically. Um, so I had to make the, the hard decision to, to jump ship and go to the WNBA uh, strictly for, you know, longevity and, and playing the game because it was a shorter season. It was just during the summer, and it would allow me to, to play, you know, basketball for as long as, you know, it was in my system to play. And, you know, and I, I had the best of both worlds. I was able to, you know, play in the APL, um, doing a traditional uh, basketball season. And then I was able to play um, in the in the WNBA where, um, you know, it was much more lucrative as far as the exposure, being on television, being allowed to share um the my experience, you know, on a bigger platform, right. which will allow the sport to grow. Um, so I was very fortunate to be a part of that movement. And you mentioned the platforms, and, and especially that lead up to those 96 Olympics in Atlanta. And, I, and I'd love to talk about your Team USA experience, because your international career is also legendary. Those three gold medals in, in Atlanta, 2000 in Sydney, 2004 in Athens. Can, can you talk about what separates those those teams and those medals for you in your mind? What makes them different? And, and how, how do you think about those as different, discrete experiences? Well, in, the, the first one is always the kind of the, the, the most impressive one. Sure. Um, because you work so hard. And that's, that's something that I've always wanted to do. You know, it was a lifelong dream. It was one of two events growing up um, in the project in North Philly that I saw women play on television. That was the national championship 
mm-hmm. and the Olympic Games. Um, and I wanted to be a part of both of those things. And, and fortunately for me, I've been a, a part of both of those things. Um, but, you know, being part of your first Olympics and getting a gold medal um, and doing it in your your home country was quite amazing. Just the you know, patriotism, you know, the representing your country, just being here in America um, where you're just, you're hearing the chants of USA, you're seeing the American flag uh, being waved and, and, you know, everyone walking down the street, you know, they're saluting us, they're, you know, they're just incredibly patriotic. And it's something that, you know, is a feeling that I'll never forget. And then you stick around long enough and you put yourself in a position to experience it, you know, again, which was for me to, in 2000 in, in Australia. Um, and that was, you know, that was kind of a blur for, for some reason or another. Uh-huh. Uh, but maybe it was because I had just taken the, the job at Temple. Um, I was, um, it was, I think it was my first year in the WNBA. Um, and it was another Olympic experience. So it was kind of all these things happening at once. So it was almost like a, a blur, you know, that mm-hmm. particular Olympic Games. And then, you know, fast forward to 2004 in Athens, uh, where it was my last, and I knew it was my last. Um, but, you know, there was also an experience there that that kind of took me back and, and made it a lasting impression, which was um, being elected as a flag bearer for uh, the U.S. delegation. So I led our U.S. delegation into the opening ceremony, um, and it was an incredible experience. That, along with uh, topping it off and winning a gold medal um, in Athens, in a, an exciting gold medal game against Australia. So um, all of those, you know, experiences are, are different. Um, but when you, when you, when I think about all of my USA basketball experiences, I always think about the culture, the, the ability to put everything else aside for one common goal, um, was what we had been able to do and, and what we continue to be able to do, um, since 96. And that's just to win six, you know, six gold medals from, from 96 until 2016, and it's, you know, it's incredible. So hopefully, you know, with me being named the the national team Olympic coach for 2020, hope we can sustain the success that we've had over the past uh, six Olympic Games. I like our chances. I've only got two more questions left for Coach Don Staley, and I really do appreciate your time, Coach. Um, So... I, you mentioned, uh, you know, your your time growing up in the projects in North Philly, and I'd love to talk a little bit about Dobbins Tech. I mean, your 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 time at Dobbins Tech, uh, a real remarkable Philly basketball school. Of course, the same the same era that gave us um, Hank and Bo, Hank 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 Gathers, Bo Kimball, Don Staley. Um, how do how do you go from North Philadelphia and then make the transition to the University of Virginia? What was what were the the leading factors that that led led you from Philadelphia um, to Charlottesville? Um, you know, I think it it, it goes back to um, Debbie Ryan and her coaching staff. They did a tremendous job of 
uh, recruiting me when I was very young. They started recruiting me when I was in the eighth grade. And for someone who who grew up in the neighborhood that I grew up, loyalty um, is pretty high on our list, you know, of, of things. And when you have put the time in and you've shown over the course of, you know, of time uh, that you see something special in someone and, and they saw something special in me. You know, obviously I was just playing just from pride because I, I was very competitive and I wanted to win all the games. But, you know, they saw those characteristics and those attributes that I brought to the game, but they also, you know, shaped it into, you know, recruiting and, and making me feel like uh, they they had my back um, from from the very beginning. And, you know, I, I, I picked a, an incredible university that was very challenging in, in so many ways. You know, the basketball came, it was, was easy for me. Um, culturally, it was a little different. Um, just being away from home was a little different. But it was, it was things that I needed in order for me to continue to grow in the sport and also to share my story with other little girls and little boys who grew up looking like me and, um, and, and, you know, have the same social economic background as I did, you know, who was, you know, not exposed to a lot of things. Um, it, it helps me make that connection to those, you know, to those youth, uh, that society has given, given up hope on, you know, they, they don't then hope to them. So I am that, that way of hope that will, allow them, although, you know, things are different and you're out of your comfort zone, you're able to succeed and you're able to, you're able to, to find a way to, to be successful when, when you're, um, the most uncomfortable. That's artfully put. Uh, I, I really appreciate all of those sentiments. Finally, um, coach, what does it mean for you to be working with the basketball hall of fame at this stage in your life? You know, I, I'm not one for, you know, a, a, a lot of awards and recognition. I've never been, you know, I've never played the game um, for those things. But I, I will say that um, being a, the Hall of, a Naismith Hall of Famer is the one thing that I wanted to check off. And I, I don't think it, it validates my career um, in a sense it does, but you know, I, I'm pretty satisfied with, you know, what I've given to the game and what the game has given to me. But, you know, the Nate being a part of the Nate Smith Hall of Fame um, is it, something that you'll you'll never forget because you're you're amongst greatness, people who have dedicated their lives to the to the game of basketball and who have, who have excelled at a in a exorbitant amount of uh, under an exorbitant amount of pressure. Um, so I am, you know, incredibly um, grateful, you know, to be enshrined in the, in the Hall of Fame, but also just to continue to work with the Hall, to spread the, you know, the good news, you know, of, of my career, of what basketball has done for me and what it continues to do for me. And, you know, I can't think of a better, you know, and I know maybe, you know, after, you know, last weekend seeing the uh, 
the football hall of fame and, and seeing that year in and year out. Um, you know, I like to I like to uh be a little biased and, and think that uh being in the basketball hall of fame is pretty darn special. <laughs> Well, she is a dream merchant, a 2013 Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame enshrinee, head coach of not only the national champion South Carolina Gamecocks, but also the gold medalist, six consecutive gold medals for Team USA. She's won three of them. She's a two-time Atlantic 10 Coach of the Year, a three-time SEC Coach of the Year, a six-time WNBA All-Star. I could go on and on and on, but mostly I just want to say thank you to head coach Don Staley. Thanks so much for joining me today, coach. Thank you so much.